0: you guys this is Pam with 2200 taps. I man we're still sitting in in this quarantine coronavirus crap. Um I don't know about you guys but I just heard it got extended to like April 30th or something and it's not even April yet and I'm about to go abs- like batshit crazy if this thing continues. <laughs> um but we do have a podcast and we got to keep going with it and I'm excited for my guest today because my guest and I were actually stationed together in Sabine Pass, Texas back in 2010. And Oof. yeah, it's been a while. Was
1: it that <laughs> long ago? Gosh.
0: I know, it just it feels like yesterday. <laughs> and you know, we we've kind of kept in touch ever since, you know, I got out and he transferred out and um the whole purpose of this show is to let you guys know as the listeners what it kind of looks like on the inside as far as, you know, being in the service. We always hear, you know, you always hear about, you know, casualties or fatalities overseas, this, that, and the other. But Sam and I were both in the Coast Guard, and we both have been through our own traumas. And you guys you guys heard about what I went through. Um, if you haven't and you're a new listener, go back to Season 1, Episode 3, where it's my story, and you will absolutely hear, excuse me, in detail... What I went through that really, really just jacked me up. Uh but my guest today is, you know, again his name is Sam Kelton. He he was a bosun mate and for those that don't know, he he drove the boats and I fixed them for the most part. Uh that that's, I was uh, your cat
1: to your dog kind of a thing.
0: Pretty much. And I hate yeah. cats. So <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely hate them.
1: And I did a really good job of keeping you all well employed.
0: Oh, for sure. Job security all around (laughs) between you guys and civilians and all that crap. But um, thank you, Sam, so much for being here today. Um, It means the world to me. It's good to see your face. I'm actually on Google Hangouts, and I'm finding that doing a Google Hangout on these telephone interviews is really helpful uh, as far as engaging with um, my guests, and Sam is a family man now. He's got a little one, so if she comes in and sits on his lap, I mean we're just gonna roll with it and see what happens because that's what life is all about, right? So
1: she'll she'll probably say hi. She's a buddy performer.
0: Oh, is so. she? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's a cutie man. She's got red, red, red hair.
1: Let me tell you about Disney. Oh no. And this this <laughs> devil that is Disney plus right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am so frozen out <laughs> right now. I know every song to Frozen Two. That on a nightly basis, one will go on repeat in my head, and the next night, the next song in the track starts. <laughs> so, <laughs> however, I wouldn't trade it for the world.
0: It must be and that
1: thanks for thanks for having me here, Pam. Honestly, um, it's been kind of cool, like seeing this, watching you peripherally how this is happening for you. And uh, I will say that as soon as we kind of solidified that this was going to happen, this, this interview today, this, uh, this, this format, I, st- I went on a binge listening, watch however you want to talk about with, uh, um, with your podcast. Really? And it was like, really, it's like really cool to watch you. you your questions are, are great. The way you kind of lead the guest. And I, I will say, I, um, I finished up, I purposely saved your story for last because we talked about a year, year and a half ago on the phone about, um, your story a little bit helping me with the VA navigate the VA mm-hmm. stuff and um it it hit me again kind of very powerfully the way you described it because I, I i could put myself back there in, in that coction chair on that 41 or um even on the back deck of it it was um it was very powerful thank you you know what i mean and it uh it, it strikes a chord with people that can that have a vivid imagination that have been there maybe not not been there done that but have can imagine it so um i love this format for you and i, I i'm hoping it's nothing but the continue best for
2: you
0: i appreciate that that means a lot to me and um you know i you uh, know to be honest like sabine pass wasn't my best duty station like i busted my ankle and i just kind of was like i'm done i don't want to be here i'm getting out like i had this piss poor attitude towards the end and Um, I missed out on some stuff, but, you know, I I was still engaging and um, was able to stay connected with like you and a few others. Uh, But, you know, my story, like I had a decent career, but that one incident after I left Sabine that happened in Wisconsin, just, you know, I still. It's a a
1: tough one, you
0: know? Yeah. I mean, here we are eight years later and I still I'll have dreams I break yeah. down at the the sounds of a scream, like a certain scream, I start crying. I'm like, what the hell is going on with me? Uh and sure. so much where it became I became afraid of water. Like I didn't want to jump in. And uh even swimming, like I just wanted to swim as hard as I could, as fast as I could. And I wasn't the one that went in the water. So it was just kind of just it was really weird to navigate, but with my therapy and, and my help it's been getting better. It but it's still right. it's still there. And you know, this is probably a good a good point to bring up why um, I kind of wanted you on this podcast, you know, um, just because we've reconnected and we helped each other, you know, a year or so ago with the VA. And I, I, you know, you went through something very, very significant and very traumatic that I don't wish upon anybody. And I no. think when you and I were stationed together in Sabine, we had a taste of it. When yes. we lost Wiley. And the, for those that don't know, we lost a shipmate of ours since being passed to a motorcycle accident. And the whole thing was just really just shitty, to say the least. It um, was.
1: There, there, there's no better way to describe it. And that's what I, you'll, you'll notice about Coasties or Sailors in general. Shitty is like the lowest of the low. Like the worst insult you can call somebody is a shit bag in the Coast Guard mm-hmm. because it means just they don't do anything. And the, this situation was it was shitty because there was just nothing we could do. It was a tragic accident. And I think just compounded by that he had a young wife, young pregnant wife.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, you know, there, there's I, I still keep in touch with the people that were stationed there that were very good friends with Wiley. And, you know, he touched a lot of people. And his attitude, is his just just his personality touched a lot of people.
0: Oh, for sure, so. for sure. And um, um. yeah, it just you know what's you know what's funny is he's buried out here in Crum, Texas, by Dallas, where I live. And uh, oh, up there, yeah, 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 he's up here. So uh, every Memorial Day, I go and visit him. Okay. Yeah, so I'll go. That's and, awesome. Yeah, it's it's I don't know what it is about it, and then I'll play the the Robert Earl King song that he used to love you know, the Corpus Christi Bay. Yeah, And um, yeah, that's how I can, that's how I choose to remember him, um, especially being so close to him now. Um, we weren't terribly close, but we did, you know, our PT test together. And like you said, he was so excited. His wife was pregnant and he had just transferred over to our duty section. Matter of fact, I was pissed off at him that Thursday night because he was late for relieving me for watch. <laughs> and I was so mad. <laughs> I was so pissed. And he comes strolling in. I'm like, Oh, I just, just, just take over. And, okay.
1: uh, but what? What? <laughs> that, that was him. Like, what?
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> and his, uh, his suntan on his face from the sunglasses.
1: Oh, that reverse raccoon thing. Yeah.
0: That reverse <laughs> raccoon. Um, <laughs> and it was just, you know, how we all came together when we lost him and chose to honor him and all that stuff. That was really cool. Um, yes. it, it really stung, but we, we really pulled together as a, as a unit and, you know, as people that really cared about him. Um, so with that, you know, we, Sam and I had a taste of, you know, tragedy on our end as far as losing a shipmate. And it's kind of shitty to say like, you know, you hear a lot of people in the army, the Marines, they lose buddies all the time. And it's, it's just really just, it's the nature of our jobs and what we do. Uh, we do lose a lot of coasties and not a lot of people know that. And a lot of it's to motorcycle accidents and unfortunately suicides, another one but you sam you you went through something so horrific that i i just couldn't even stomach it matter of fact i didn't realize you were on the boat or on the on, on the cutter when it happened but i remember yeah. i remember watching deadliest catch this one episode oh. of De- yeah yeah and um yeah we're just gonna go right into it you know i saw it and all of a sudden was like, you know, the air station, I think it was Kodiak or somebody that had to go and get one of us. And I'm like, what? Yes. So I saw that play out and I saw that we lost him and it really sucked just to see it unfold as a viewer. And I believe I was still in when that happened. If not, I had just separated. So yeah, it was
1: November 13,
0: 2013. Yes, Yeah. I was definitely still in and, um, when I found out you were on the ship it it really crushed me to know that you went through that so I kind of want to pick up there you know okay. if you could just share anything and everything you want about that just you know how it what led up to it what was the whole what was the whole point of even launching the small boat at that point you know uh to oh, we we'll,
1: we'll we'll hit that we'll get into that for sure yeah um, so
0: i'm gonna I'm gonna pass the torch over to you and you just take us where you want us to go
1: okay. Well, let me back it up a little bit. So, summer of 2013, I transferred from Sabine Pass to Alameda, California, to the, uh, what everybody now knows as the National Security Cutter, uh, which is the biggest cutter in the Coast Guard fleet, 418 feet long. Um, at that time, uh, I was on Weishi, so she was 752, she was number two in the fleet, uh, to the other cutter that was built pre- previous to her. So, literally, Jumped in with both feet. You know, I'd never been underway on a cutter before other than a few nights on an 87 to go help them do shrimp boat boardings, um, a small patrol boat to go help them do shrimp boat boardings way offshore. And uh, so that was pretty much just like the station, small boat station. So I got to the cutter, and here I am, a BM2, an E5 in the Coast Guard. Um, I've I've got all these, these coxswain or boat driver certifications for all these boat classes. I'm a boarding officer. And I go back to nothing. I have no qualifications now at this unit. And I thought I knew everything. You know, I'm was i, I, I will, I'm not afraid to say I was arrogant. I wasn't confident. I was arrogant. And there's a difference.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that, that changed big time. That that so that learning process of being underway on that cutter. Yeah, um, you, you, you learn to stay in your lane. You have to because now you, you're, this is your job, which you're going to do. So I was assigned to the navigation department, which was cool because now I got to do – I was up on the bridge I was, I was working on the navigation gear, uh, radars, chart plotting, all that fun stuff. You know, basically helping the, uh, the officer of the deck, the person in charge of the ship for that four hour block of watch, um, helping them keep the, sh- the ship on course, um, back stopping them and, and, you know, Hey, this is where we're going. This is where we need to go next. Hey, look, uh, you know, coordinating with the combat information center to, uh, say hey there's a there's a concentration of of boats over here we need to go check out so let's let's plot a course let's go do it so it was really cool It was really interesting to start learning all that stuff and 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 reabsorbing all of it again um went through the qualification process fairly quickly and uh august i I, i got there in july and then middle of august we get underway to go to alaska to do a what they call a d17 district 17 patrol and we're going to go up there and we're going to do the fishery season. So we're going to basically ride herd. We're going to be the, the uh, search and rescue response cutter for the, the crab fleet. That's the deadliest cra- catch crab fleet. Mm. We're going to do some other boardings and some other things, stuff like that. We're going to go up and uh, do some show the flag, so to speak, up, up in the Arctic Ocean. You know, play chicken with a Russian intel frigate. All this cool stuff. Um, so we're, we're bebopping along through there. You know, hit some awesome port calls. We do Kodiak, Alaska, which is like Coast Guard City Central. Half the population of Kodiak, Alaska is Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. So, great. Uh, cool to see that first port call. Great to get out of there and go actually get to the job. And uh, then you do Dutch Harbor. And that show, daily's Catch, does not do Dutch Harbor justice. <laughs> when I say there is nothing in Dutch Harbor, there is nothing in Dutch Harbor, Alaska. <laughs> it is literally... The best place to eat is Amelia's, which is a little Mexican restaurant. And she likes to to, the joke that she is the furthest Western Mexican in the uh, United
2: States.
1: (laughs) Um, Little Amelia. I forget forget the family's last name, but the name is Amelia's. Best milkshakes I've ever had. Wonderful. Um, There's one bar. And then there's a hotel, which is literally... For $200 a night, it's the most expensive Motel 6 you'll ever see. Really? It's really nice lobby and all that fun stuff, but inside the rooms, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, yeah. it this, The whole place just caters to the fishing industry, and that's, that's all it is. That's, it, it makes you wonder, you know, all that stuff. There's some World War II history there, which I'm a history buff, so I had to go check out all the bunkers. And, you know, it was one of the, um, one of the few places other than Pearl Harbor that was actually bombed by the Japanese.
0: I saw that on, um, uh, actually an episode of Deli's catch. One of the, yeah. one of the captains was going to celebrate with fireworks and he took, took them up one of the mountains or something to show them that area. It was actually really yeah.
1: cool. Oh yeah. So the cutter actually moors up right next to the, to the bunkers and everything. So it's really cool. So we did Dutch <laughs> Harbor a bunch of times and, and probably pulled into Dutch Harbor three times in the, the, all the way through October, uh, all the way through the end of October. You know, so we're talking, I'm tired of Dutch Harbor, Alaska. When I say I'm tired, I'm tired of it. <laughs> nothing, nothing new to explore. Um,
2: but oh, uh,
1: you know, so we pulled into Nome, had a good time in Nome, Alaska. These um, gold rush towns it was kind of interesting to see all that fun stuff. So we had um, just got done with a, a two week stint underway, uh, and this is beginning of end of October, beginning of November. So we've been underway for two weeks, hadn't seen land or hadn't seen dry land. I believe we had been up, we'd been up past Nome I, through the Bering Strait, and I believe we'd been in the Arctic Ocean, and uh, dealing with a, a military exercise involving some some F 22s and and stuff like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we, when I say we played chicken with the Russian intel frigate, literally the Russian intel frigate tried to sneak in to collect electronics intelligence on the F twenty two because it was still a brand new uh, fighter plane at the time. So it was F- this is two thousand thirteen. Um, so we middle of the night we darkened ship, went shut off all of our radars, shut off all of our lights, everything that snuck up on them. And we got to within five hundred yards before they even recognized we were there. No and they called shit. out to us and Russian, in. Yeah. So it was really cool. Like like we like like general quarters, we you know we're we're on our side of the line. They're on they're in international waters and we just like hey you wanna you, you want to collect any information, you gotta go through us and we turned everything on. Like all of our radars, all of our lights. <laughs> And just threw <laughs> so much electronic interference in the air that they just turned around and went home.
0: let <laughs> shit my pants.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, I was up on the bridge for this. You know, it's at 4 a.m. The sun's coming up, and it's like, uh, this is pretty cool. Like, you know? Um, or maybe, you know, it had to be later because it's later in October, so it'd be closer to 7 or 8. We weren't that far north. But yeah, so, you know, the sun was coming up, all that fun stuff. Cool. Turn around, head back down to Dutch Harbor. We're going in. It'd be a two day run. We're going in to Dutch Harbor. Cool. We get to we get right offshore Dutch, uh, and we set the special security detail. Which for all your viewers, it means like, hey, everybody who's got a job for mooring up this ship, this 418-foot cutter, um, you go to your you go to your detail. You go to where you. Uh, for me, mm-hmm. um, I was the line handlers. I was in charge of line handlers on the on the on the aft deck on the boat deck. So on the very back of the of the, the ship, we keep all our small boats, and we we launch them through a notch. So I was in charge of Uh, the party that was in charge of line five and line six. And that was, that was me. So I had a a first class petty officer above me who was like safety. Like his job was just basically not letting safety violations happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was in charge on the radios and all that fun stuff. And so we're cool. We're we're pulling into Dutch Harbor. We're going past priest rock. And now I hear now all hands, uh, brace as a way she comes about. Okay, that's weird. We're, we're turning around, we're pulling right. a one eighty. All right, now you know secure the special C detail. Set the nav and anchor detail, and we're like, what? Okay, cool. Let's call back. Hey, can I get clarification? I do. I, what do I need to do with fi- line five and six? Uh, put line five and six away. Break out the tow lines. All right. Well, that's a little weird. Okay, and cool. Don't ask questions. Don't have time to ask questions. Cool. Start doing that.
0: So you have a star case.
1: Yeah. So we got a star case and like all of a sudden you hear the, uh, you hear the gas turbine come on, you hear the diesels, uh, all that fun stuff. So it's just like, Whoa, wait a minute. You know, we just went from doing 10 knots going into Dutch Harbor, literally 500 yards from the pier so now we're doing 28 knots Jeez. and heading towards
0: 35. And for my listeners, you know? and for my listeners, SAR is actually an acronym for search and rescue. So if you hear Sam and I say SAR, that's that's what we're talking about.
1: Yes, uh, I'm going to I'm 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 getting into the game here, so I'm going to get a uh, real real acronym heavy. So not absolutely, you know, we're we're doing we're doing 30 knots. That's probably about 35 miles an hour for a yeah for, for a 4,500 ton ship. Yeah, you know, a 4,500 ton ship. That's that's a insane. Of, that's a lot of steel to be moving, that's but anyway. Insane. So we, uh, we we get briefed. The deck deck force and aft team get briefed, and it's basically cool. We've got this. Um, we've got this, uh, this. This crab boat. They're disabled, and their anchor's dragging on slime bank. Okay, cool. So they're but they're dragging, and they're they're going to be on the rocks in a couple hours. All right, that's not good. All right, so let's go. Let's let's go prevent that. The, uh, ship that was originally sent out the commercial salvage ship that was originally sent out to, uh, help them ended up fouling their tow line in their own prop. You know, so, all right, cool. That stinks. Seas aren't too bad. So we're looking at, you know, we're looking at six, seven, eight foot seas. All right. That's, that's a nice day. That's, that's, I'll sleep in that all day. Um, so we, we steam for about 18 hours full speed. Get to the get to the ship, and cool. They're anchored. Now they 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 pull their anchor in preparation for us passing the tow. Cool. Um, now they're drifting. For some reason, and I'm not quite sure what because again, remember I'm an E5, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm at a good rank. I'm a BM2 where I'm like basically hey you know. Hey, I get to make shit up sometimes and I get to tell people to do shit and I don't get involved in all of the, the political bullshit all the time. Um, but for whatever reason, the order comes that, Hey, we're going to remove the non-essential pre- people on this vessel. And I use non-essential kind of tongue in cheek wise, because here we are in COVID-19 right now and everybody's decided who's essential and who's not. We're finding out real quick, you know, whose job can be done from home and whose can't. Um, so I'm thinking, And and back me up on this, Pam, you know, back doing all of our search and rescue cases where we're going to tow a boat back into shore. Um, If the boat had power, it had heat, it had water, it had food, it had all all the creature comforts, do we need to launch a boat to take people off? Do we need to take people off the boat? Do we need to do a transfer, an at-sea transfer? Basically, we have to launch a small boat, and these people have to come down a ladder and time the swells going up and down the ladder and sign the swells and jump into our small boat and then us recover that small boat with those people you know
2: yeah
1: and, the, and keep in mind that we're going to be taking civilians that aren't used to going up and down that ladder aren't used to our procedures okay so
0: so red one red of the flags are BM2s, popping off already yeah
1: right so <laughs> you see the weather is getting the, you know, and let me let me paint the weather here the um the fog is setting in, you know, it's about a mile and a half visibility. So it's still, we're, we're close. We're within about 500 yards of the ship. So a quarter of a mile, um, captain, uh, basically, you know, goes and brings and rallies all the coxswains. He's like, all right, cool. You're the Sar He points to one guy. You're the star duty coxswain. Let's get a crew underway. Let's go get these non-essential people. And that duty coxswain kind of goes, Captain, I don't, I don't really feel comfortable doing that. You know, like the C's are not real good. Quartermaster, of the watch, the, the, the navigator of the watch is basically he's logging eight to 10 foot C's. I'm a basic coxswain. I'm only allowed, I'm only certified to operate in eight foot C's or under. Okay. So like, and he said, that was like, well, this is a rescue mission, you know, da 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 names off all this stuff. And we're just like, man, I don't know about that cap. And, uh, it, it um, so he points to the BM one. Now he's a little bit more certified. BM one's like, "Cap, yeah, I'm with BM 2 He said, "No." And mind you, I'm not a certified coxswain at this point. I'm not a certified coxswain on this ship at this point on on these on these these small boat platforms that we have. And we don't have a good track record with these small boats that we have in the notch right now. Basically, what happened is they built the ship and they planned for the small boats they were going to put in there, but they never, they, they didn't acquire them by the time they put the ship in service or the, the class of ships in service. So we have a Mark four, which is still at the point in time as a, as a prototype The Mark four OTH was going to be the boat that they were going to use to basically chase down all the drug smugglers down in, I don't know, Costa Rica where it's warm and not so shitty weather. Um, so we had that boat up there and every time we launched that small boat, we ended up breaking the engine mounts on it. So it was a jet-drive boat with the engine mounted forward of the console, so it was forward of of, of the middle of the boat. So you, you take those heavy seas up there at, at 35, 40, 50 knots with that thing, you're going to break something, because you're just going to slam down hard. Nobody really knew how to drive it. it was a, nobody was real familiar with jet boats at the time in the, in the Cutter God. fleet. Um, the other boat we had was an SRP, a short-range prosecutor. And this thing was a... You, know, you, you see the old like 1920s, 30s movies of the old bathtub-looking small boat. Mm-hmm. This is the second iteration of that thing. It's not a bathtub, but it maneuvers like one. It, it's slow to you. You throw it all the way forward, and in about three seconds, it decides that it's going to go. So it, mm-hmm. it, it's not real responsive. It, it's not real fast. It, all this fun stuff, and it, it's the. Uh, it, it was not built for the, the uh, cutter either. It was built for a different class of cutter. Um, so. That was what was in the notch at the time was the SRP. Now that console was way far forward. We were having problems with how our, our rig was, was was, was uh, how, how the, the arresting system or how you captured yourself when you recovered in the small boat in the notch of this cutter. We were having problems with how that, that boat fit in that notch and how we recover that boat. And I'll, I'll explain that in further detail as the story unfolds. Okay, so Captain, now he looks at the next he looks at the newest cox a BM3 and says, "All right, go You're, will you do this mission? Will somebody grow a set of balls and do this mission?" And they're all like, "No." And I distinctly remember this and this to this day is what pisses me off to no end about this story. Um, Captain looks back at the original BM2 who's the Judy Cox, and he says, "If you ever want to be a qualified underway OOD on this cutter, i.e. if you ever want to be in charge of this cutter, for a, a deck watch officer, OD, how you want to um, respond to that? OD is the person who's in charge of the cutter on the bridge, mm-hmm. responsible for all the all that stuff. If you ever want, and it's a very prestigious certification to have, especially for a BM two on this brand new, like state of the art class of cutters. Like he would be the first BM two to ever have it. Because if you ever want to be a an OD on this cutter, like show me you want it. He said that. You know, yes. Show me you want it. I have to. I have to question. If you are nervous about getting a small boat underway on a rescue mission, I have to question your. It brings into mind, and this is not for but it, it.
0: Like his judgment. To the
1: effect of it, it brings it calls into my my mind. Your good. Your good judgment. When I'm sleeping at night and you're in watch charge of the cutter, The strong armed him into watching that boat. Ugh. Okay. What a dick. What a dick. You know, so this had 06, captain of the Coast Guard, smelling his admiral star all over it. Like he could tell me, this is it. This is how I punch my ticket. This is how I become, you know, an admiral in the Coast Guard. So, remember back to me, back in Sabine. I was always excited to get underway. Mm -hmm. Always. I wanted to get underway all the time. Always, mm-hmm. always, 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 always. So I was a boat crew member was, on, on these small boats. I was certified to be a boat crew member. So normally I would be like, oh, "Send me. I'm going to be uh, like, you're taking volunteers for boat crew. I'll go. I'll go handle some lines. I'll go jump that net. Whatever." I didn't even jump on that. Like I was that nervous about this mission.
0: Well, dude, I mean,
1: or just I had enough. I, I don't want to say nervous as in more like I didn't have enough. I didn't feel like I had enough information. I didn't feel like. I, I, I it just something about it, I, I wasn't going to jump on it.
0: Well, nobody was in, in immediate distress. I mean, no. you've got maybe a two hour window until they maybe wash up. You, I mean, there's just like everything you're saying, yes. we would usually marb them. Like, we would marb right. them, you know, at a small boat station. Right. So we would send somebody else unless there is an a legit emergency.
2: Right. Some um, sort of
1: extenuating circumstance, something. exigent circumstance. Dude. Um, and, and <laughs> this so crazy there's. Me off. there's I forget exactly how many people are on the boat, but it's in the high teens. You know, 17 sticks out, but I'm... I'm yeah. Again, minute little detail, right? I don't know. Maybe it might have been even like 21, 22. Um, so we were going to take off... It was going to take three loads of us taking off uh, four to five people each time. Uh, so three three uh, launch recoveries. Oh, God. Cool. So we, we, we get this, and to set the, set the stage, the uh, Alaskan mist... Was uh she was a hundred and like twenty something feet so she was a fairly decent sized fishing vessel. Mm-hmm. Um, she's rocking and rolling so, cool. We come up alongside this the ship within about a hundred yards and we we go dead in the water so we're drifting next to her. Um, we open up the stern doors on the on the notch and the stern of the cutter there to launch a small boat. And for your information, so the, the doors open up uh, horizontally, just like two barn doors opening um, on a barn,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it takes forever. I'm talking like two, two and a half minutes for these doors to completely open. So at the time, while that, while those doors are opening, you're sitting in your seat on these on the small boat, the engine running, waves are washing in, so the stern of the small boat getting picked up and set down hard. So you're going up, you're going down, you're going up, you're going down, and Cool. Normally you're underway. So norm- normally that, that um, kind of cancels out that, that wash. Mm-hmm. So to speak. So you're moving about five or six knots ahead and now a little bit of water's filling up. You're not, Right. Pfft. whatever reason we were dead in the water, they launched a small boat, they get over um, and they put over, they put over another BM2 and I'm not going to say his name because uh, he'll factor into the after part of the story and why I'm still so pissed off about this. Okay. Um So they put over BM2 and a, a, a different BM2, and he takes up all the gear for the transfer, like uh, survival suits and things like that, because they can't get necessarily get into their survival suits and climb down a ladder. Um, so ours are a little more comfy, a little bit more uh, able to move, but at the cost of protection. So BM2 gets up there and gets the ready as the first set of survivors call them survivors now um so they they put four or five of them in the boat and the coxswain comes back so we got a coxswain an engineer a crew member and four people five people um in the water in the small boat and i'm on the back deck you know my job on the back deck that point was i was in charge of the arresting gear so we have this big hydraulic ram system, and at the end of this, this, these two ram systems on either side of the notch is a cargo net-looking thing. And then right in front of that cargo net or right behind that cargo net, so to speak, is another line, an, uh, a, a big piece of, of, of rope line. We call it line post rope. And the whole idea is you drive this small boat up into the notch, and you hit that line with the bow of your small boat, and it bounces over this hook. So, just like an uh, airplane lands on an aircraft carrier, you, you catch the hook and mm-hmm. stop yourself. So, you drive up into the notch, catch this line, and drive. And basically, you cut the engine off or you, you look, let the throttles off and you slide back on the skid of the notch. And that, that line catches you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the cargo net is just there to keep you from going up, into the, uh, on, up onto the helicopter deck, which is uh, right above us. So I'm sitting there, and my whole job is so cool. I'm, I'm operating those 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 ramps. So the minute that boat gets in and catches that line, I'm I'm bringing the rams in. So that I pull I'm pulling that boat basically further up into the notch, and so they can close the doors. And I'm 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 waiting on commands from the, the, the boat deck captain in charge. So basically the the, the other boats inmate who's in charge of the boat deck. It could be anybody. Um, at that point. We had kind of our, our how we were, were drifting had changed our, our our attitude in the water had changed um to now we were having the swells come in off the quarter so the quarter being the, the back left side of the ship the back uh, port quarter of the ship so the swells were coming in there so we were getting some pretty nasty swells coming up into that notch filling up I mean I could feel the spray on my face and I'm you know, I'm I'm ten feet above the bottom of the notch
0: and this is still your first so run of survivors
1: yeah this is our first run so cool um beam two lines up this approach it's looking good we're not underway like we should be we're not making way through the water like we should be and it, it, i can it, it's just like a a nightmare in time it, it it slows down you can just see boom like all of a sudden this, this set of waves bigger than all the rest just comes out of nowhere like perfect storm ship and they're about they can't they could have been more than 10 or 12 feet but we weren't doing anything to minimize the the effect they would have um bm2 comes in rides that wave in. I mean, he's set his attitude's perfect on the wave like almost like surfing it in like you're supposed to and travis is forward of the console because we've had problems with this boat and the fact that the hook was so small that the rope would bounce over the hook. But since it was so small, it would, wouldn't always catch It would the rope would bounce before the hook itself could catch. It would bounce back up. So all Travis was doing was just to be there like a cat and slap that line back down. That was his job. And he was forward of the console. And that's, that was the, the workaround. We had figured out how to work to launch this boat up in Alaska because of the, uh, the, the weather's uh, the weather systems up there. Um, so, Travis slaps that line down. Boom. They they, you know, they, they ride out that first wave. It's, it sounds bad. It sounds rough. The boat vans cattywampus on the, on the notch. Okay. It's not a problem. Generally, if we pull the notch, pull the boat up, like, Hey, that's not a problem. It'll straighten itself out. So boom, it's like in on the winch. So I'm, boom, I'm pressing the button, pulling them in. And again, it's slow. One, it's cold. So the Rams themselves are cold and it's, it's just a slow process to move them the next six feet up the, up in the notch. And everybody saw it. Chief saw it. boston saw it. Everybody's like, close and I, close the fucking stern doors now. Like, the boat's still hanging out, but close the doors. Here comes this wave. And it picks up the, you know, somebody I don't know who claimed, you know, hey, got on the radio and, and ordered, you know, ahead, move, move the cutter forward. And it, it, 10, 12 foot wave. And it picks up the small boat and just drives that, just picks up the stern so high that it drove them diagonally. It drove the stern down into the notch, excuse me, drove the bow down into the notch and crushed Travis against the console and that cargo net. And he's just like. There, you know, and, and just like you, I, I swear, it had been a cartoon, that would have been net prints on him when they released him. But it, it crushed him, and then that that blade, that way fell out, so the boat fell and jerked back. We're still coming in. And the next one, and that's the one that did it, it. Travis got released from the net, he slid down, he slumped. Almost on, he didn't have time to make it to his butt, but he slumped. And I don't know if he was conscious at that point or not. And that next one did it. And it, that next, just exact same type of wave came in, drug the bow down. And this time it was his head against that net and um, 8,000 pounds of boat behind him and waves and water against a four inch thick line that has a breaking strength of 25,000 pounds. So something had to give, and it was his helmet. So, you know, I can't, I can't immediately do anything. I gotta, cl- I gotta pull the boat up so we can get the boat up high enough that we can get the doors closed. And remember, it takes two and a half minutes to close the doors, close or open the doors. And while, you know, Bosun jumps in there, um, Bosun being a, a warrant officer, jumps in. Uh, an, another first class petty officer, Joey, who was a prior combat medic in the army, jumps in. And it's bad, you know. Um, I've never seen a crushing injury, but that's what it was. It was a crushing injury. It wasn't anything else. You know, I've seen other stuff. I've, I've seen a person flayed open like a manatee from a boat drop, and it didn't affect me the way this did. Um, probably because I didn't see the accident. It's the first time I've been there for it, you know. So. And they pull him out, he's got blood coming out of all of the orifices on his face. Um, and boom, you know, they take him, they take him into uh, sick bay. They take him to the triage, which is on the mess deck, actually. And uh, you know, Doc's there. Doc is is doing his thing. And I'm, I'm told later that, um, you know, the there was some miscommunication about who was doing what and where and who and everything. And uh, you know, that was that. So boom, all of a sudden we get the. You know, now set flight quarters. So, boom, we, we've rolled the helicopter out. We got stored in the hangar, rolled it out, boom, set it up, send him off to Cold Bay, Alaska. And, uh, Air Station Kodiak comes out, uh, and, and takes him the rest of the way from Cold Bay, Alaska, where they have a four deployed, uh, MH 60, a Jayhawk. And so they, they, um, airlifted him over to Anchorage It one hop. Um, and we left the rest of the crew members on board the Alaska Mist. We had our five in the night and we finished the, uh, setting up the tow and got them in tow. And the next morning, you know, um, we airlifted the rest of the people, the non-essential people off the Alaskan Mist plus our BM2. We still didn't know that what had happened. Um, they sequestered the boat crew, as in no talkie, you can't talk to them. I get told to write a statement, and um, I go on watch later that night, and I open up the logs, and I see that there's a different set of logs for the day. You, you run your logs within twenty four for 24-hour period, and I'm like, well, that's funny. So I try to open up the correct logs, and they're locked. they're they're locked to editing so you can open them and look at them and i can see the the seas that are clearly see. okay cool we're we're logging the seas at um six to eight feet with the occasional 10 to 12. okay so cool all right so we spent four days dragging this boat back to dutch harbor because we can't make a whole lot of speed and all that time we're told hey you know travis is he's he's going to be okay. He's, uh, you know, he's enforced, he's an induced coma so they can reduce the brain swelling, this, that other thing. They're going to move him to Seattle. His family's been notified, all that fun stuff. So we get to Alaska, we get back to Dutch Harbor on Alaska Island and they send out the mishap board team, you know, all these people. And they start asking questions and anybody who's been through an investigation like that would know that sometimes there's just people on those, those boards that, probably you shouldn't you, you you shouldn't be in a locker room with but the uh, vm1 was asking questions about everything and i just i just wanted to throw him out out the out the window just remember that like i just you're swan the SOD, and i have no idea how you got on this, this the volunteer position i have no idea how you got on this thing. but it, it, there's a lot of anger going around like this shouldn't have happened and even then it was told this shouldn't have happened you know, and, and captains, you know, giving us updates over the intercom every night. The, the one MC and yeah, and everybody's just kind of like he's crying and you know, like oh, 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 oh. Yeah, we're all, For the lo- longest time, I think a lot of us bought it. Hey, the captain's up just as upset about this. He, he recognizes, like, he forced this boat crew to go under way, and then they canceled the rest of our patrol. So that was that was November um, November seventh. It was Veterans Day that the accident happened. We we're in Dutch. We were in Dutch Harbor for two weeks, doing the board mishap analysis board and all that fun stuff. And then the shitty thing is, we have to sail back to Alameda, California—a one-week sail, ten-day sail—with that broken ass boat, that inflated broken ass boat, with his blood still in it, in the notch. You know, so I got to look at this thing as I'm warming up the cutter and. In Alameda, California, um, and we get back in, and about a week later, we get the news that hey, they're they're pulling him off life support. After, it was out of the blue. We've been we've been getting constant updates that hey, he's doing better. Hey, he woke up today. You know, he, he 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 couldn't speak, but he could you know he could blink his eyes in response to people asking him questions. You know, like like cool like son of a bitch is going to be good to go by the time we go get underway for Hawaii in the summer it's going to be great um, and then it pulled it pulled the plug on him his family had to make that decision that he just wasn't going to recover people were like what the hell what, what, what happened and then it was well you know we were so close to Christmas that we didn't want to destroy you know we didn't want to upset the crew this that the other thing and we we'll whole fucking command was in on this, keeping this from us. And they pulled it was um December seventeenth, twenty thirteen, when uh Obi crossed the bar. Um and it didn't re- hit me real well. It didn't hit me real hard right then and there. Um and it it, it didn't you know, because 'cause we we're still waiting on the analysis board, like, okay, that's our saving grace, like we slapped Captain down a little bit for this, and it was, you know, they had his memorial in, in January, and they, you know, they read the, the Coast Guard commendation the medal that they, they gave him, you know, not an LOC, but the Coast Guard commendation medal. So they give this guy posthumously for, you know, a severe rescue mission in horrendous weather conditions in, in Slime Bank, Alaska. And you're just like, oh my God! And they come to find out, they whitewashed it. They whitewashed his passing. You know, there were some, there was some news articles about faulty equipment and this, that, and the other thing. And the only real thing that came out of it, Pam, at that time was, hey, don't put anybody forward of the console when you're notching the boat. When you're, when you're driving the boat back into the notch, nobody needs to be forward. Everybody needs to be in a seat or behind the coxswain.
0: So that was the the, the, oh man, the consensus across the entire Coast Guard after all of this was said and done. That's the only rule that they implemented after Obi passed away.
2: Yes.
1: You know?
0: I can't imagine, dude. It,
1: it, it sucks. And now where everybody's like, shit, we've got another six months with this asshole, too.
0: With their he's CO? Gonna make,
1: he's going to, with our CEO and our comm- whole command team, actually. Like, he's going to make, he's going to get his Admiral Star because he forced these people to get underway. And, I mentioned that because just for whatever reason, I was looking at my statement again. I'd already turned it in. You know, stated the weather conditions that I, as I saw them at the time. And uh, I opened up those logs, and those numbers on the wave heights had been changed to six to eight across the board. So even the swell waves were down to six to eight, plus a six to eight foot um, wave on top of the swell, which is within parameters for the Coast Guard toxins. And a lot of people, I wasn't the only one to notice it. A lot of people noticed it. We were, you know, Hey, you know, uh, Hey, we were told constantly, Hey, it's going to be taken care of. It's okay. Like this is what's going to happen. And I believed, them. I believed that the Coast Guard was going to carry through through its people. I'd seen the Coast Guard do right by so many people before that, you know? Um, I'd seen the, the, the people get punished, but this is my first command dealing with officers. And, you know, you always hear like stuff like that. And, and I, I don't know if it was a good old boy network in the officer world. They get him out of anything. I do know he retired after, shortly after he left command of Weishi. I don't know what happened to our XO at the time. I don't know what happened to our operations officer at the time, but um, he was gone. We were done with him. We got Captain Hendrickson, and that was really good. I think what helped, immediately helped with that process that spring and summer were two things for me, and that was the ability on a professional level, because the way she got tapped to, hey, we've got to do some testing with this new Mark IV boat because it's not designed for this notch. We just had this horrific accident. We've got to come up with some with some safety parameters and some, so the design changes to the boat way she go out there spend two weeks three weeks out there out offshore with the engineers with the, with the, the designers of this boat and make it happen and we did we spent three weeks i, I racked up 80 hours underway on that small boat in three weeks testing the hell out of that thing to make design changes to make it safer to recover that small boat um because they never could speed up the equipment on board the cutter and they never really could uh, we we played with with placement how that how that that catch gear on the on the notch and the Rams was. And uh, you know that was to everybody that was operational at that time that was going to be Travis's legacy is hey. We are we're going to make this better because it's never going to happen again.
0: Do you think not um, on my watch? And not to really interrupt you here, but do you think that knowing that you guys had an opportunity to really. Uh, you know, implement or help his legacy stay alive. Do you think that helped you push through getting back on that small boat, getting back in those elements all over again? Because me personally, I would just be triggered nonstop, and all of a sudden, you want me to get back in it. Do you think that? I don't know if they came up for you guys or anybody of the crew, but if it did, did it help? It, Knowing it that- did,
1: it came up. It came up for one guy in particular, and I was. I was sitting in the radio seat next to him. So he was the coxswain. He was a BM three. He and that was so it was the first unit he'd been qualified coxswain on. And he's doing his test launches. And for whatever reason, the um they open the stern doors and they're getting ready to launch the boat. And to launch the small boat from out, outside, I think you turn it on, everybody's sitting down, buckled in, helmets, all that fun stuff. And you basically you pull up on this mechanical um um D ring, so to speak. It's basically just a uh, think of how a, a, like a, a staple gun looks, and I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. What we call it? I only remember what we call the darn thing. Um, but you, you basically you, you put a you you put a chain through it, a, a link of chain through it, and it two teeth set down on one another, and it locks the boat in, and you can winch the boat in and out, up mm-hmm. and out. So, and then you pull a, a tag line, and it releases those teeth, and the boat is released and it can go okay. into the water and do its I
0: thing. I can see that.
1: So. That mechanical device, I can't, for the life of me, remember what we called it. It broke on us. Like we were taking some heavy, we were, we were testing some, kind of right at the limits of where we think our launch perimeter should be, and right at the uh, the course of speed we should have been at. And we were we were testing to we see how far you can go. And we were taking some waves in in there, and one one of them pushed us up, and that was the oh shit fuck here we go moment like this is it like again this is how it happens for me you know now Mrs. Kelton's getting 400k in, in SGLI life insurance money. Um, so it pushed us up and then that wave just backed down we had nothing and we just were are in gravity you know so 7,500 pound boat and people on board go flying out the back and that that mechanical device catches and breaks and boom hey we go out next wave comes in and pushes us in sideways and I can distinctly remember I'm holding on to the console with my right hand. I'm looking at Chase, who's driving the boat. And I look to my right, and we're sideways in this notch. And all I can see is the uh, the hinges of the door, not the hinges, but the pins of the door are eye-level, and they're rushing at me. They're like supersonic speed. And then, for whatever reason, he recovers, and... Backs us out of it, gets out of the like, boom, well, and then he freaks out. And at that point, I was fine. I was like, okay, well, that's cool. Let's go back in and do it again. And he's freaking the fuck out. Like, he's having he's having an episode.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's not the time to have an episode. You know? And he's like, he's, he's on the radio, like, I can't believe you would do that. Nobody called you to release. And I'm like, I'm distinctly Remember, like, seeing that thing break and seeing the look on the guy's face that was supposed to release it, going, it broke. I don't know what to do. I can, I can just stick to and never That and he's like, and he's on the radio cussing out everybody, which is a no no on Coast Guard link, on Coast Guard radio. We don't like bad language. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, um, he's just freaking out. And I, I I'm like, Chase, calm down. Chase, calm down. And he's like, no, I'm not fucking calming down. I'm gonna get up there and kick somebody's ass. And I was like, and I'm thinking, like, I couldn't get through to him. And I just slapped him as hard as I could in the back of the helmet knock it the fuck off and get us back in there and he goes I'm writing you up I can't believe you just hit me like I'm the cocks in the boat I can't believe you would. I was like get us back in there do your job get us back in there and he never he's not the one to apologize he's not the one to you know admit that he was in the wrong but nothing ever came of that you know you know to hear him tell the story he never lost his cool I could tell like something had to knock him close like there's a time to freak out there was a time not to now I'm not going to say I didn't get back that night eat dinner work out go back to my room and sit down and go what the fuck just happened and I did and I wrote and I, I remember just I remember gripping the chair and writing an email to my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife my lovely wife and going I love you I love you more than anything in this world um, and you know if anything would ever happen to me out here just remember that I always thought about you um, and her her anxiety brain went the other opposite way with that and goes back, she says, are you breaking up with me and it's like, <laughs> like no I'm not breaking up with you <laughs> um, like, I'll, like we're doing San Diego in, in 36 hours I'll call you <laughs> and I, and uh, but she's also one of those reasons too. Because backing up to to Travis's story is, um, I went on my first date with her. I had already scheduled my first date with her the day Travis died. So I went on that date that night anyway. Hmm. And you know, I mentioned it in passing. It's like, hey, you know, I got a buddy that, that I just found out passed away. Um, But I didn't let it affect me that night. And, you know, God bless her. Like, she stuck with me. Like, my real problems with it didn't come until finding out all the whitewashing stuff. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, and finding out. And I still to this day find out, excuse me, bits and pieces more. And that's, and it just starts the process, the anger all over again. I'm at at peace with what happened. You know, the old saying is you don't have, you have to go out and you don't have to come back yet. Mm -hmm. That's not the Coast Guard's motto anymore, but. I'm at peace with what happened. I still hate it. I still remember it in November. My wife will tell you, I get real dumpy right after Halloween. I'm a pain in the ass to work with because of the anniversary of the accident.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But had I not had that healing, that immediate healing process where, Hey, never again, I'm not going to let this happen again. I'm going to test this boat to the line. I'm going to write the book on how to recover this boat, you know, in all types of weather and, and, to this day, there, there's a Coast Guard PQS on how to recover boats in not in cutters with with small boat notches in the stern. So, and I've served on all three of those t- cutter classes now. So, it's 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 cool. Like I, I I still have those little moments where I think about it and it just sucks. Um,
0: so in yeah. in the wake of everything, um, something good eventually came out of it. Meaning oh, yeah. you Meaning sure. you, you guys had to ugh, you guys had to face some serious demons to know that what you guys were doing could potentially save somebody else's life down the road. Even if it yeah. were the, at the expense of your own. Right. And that, I mean, that's what it's about, man. That's what, um, you know, Coast Guard gets a lot of shit. <laughs> we get a lot of we shit. We're the red-headed stepchildren, this, that, and the other. I take a
1: perverse pride in that shit,
0: too. <laughs> I do, too. And... Um, you know, it's funny until I show somebody like the sea state that we've been in or tell them a sea story. They're like, Oh shit. Like that happens. I'm like, yeah, that happens. Like you guys have no yeah. idea, you know, what, what happens out when you're out at sea, like people don't get it. And no. you've been in Dutch Harbor. You've been in those seas that I've never been in. And God bless you. Cause my ass would never want to be in those seas. Um, the coolest
1: thing about those seas was we were uh, – we, I went back to I went back to that patrol on sheet to an Alaska patrol two years later. And the weather was infinitesimally, like infinitely more horrible. <laughs> we had more storms. but So we're riding out a storm off the Dutch Harbor. We're in 35-foot seas. I'm going on my eighth hour of watch on the bridge because nobody else can come up to relieve me because they're all in the rack puking. I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> It's me and Chief up there drinking coffee. Chief's going out on the bridge wing to smoke cigarettes and like, hey, like just tell me if the big one comes. And like, we're going two knots ahead into the storm. And I look out over at Dutch Harbor. I can see him a couple, see Dutch Harbor a couple miles away through the. Every time we come up to the crest of a wave,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and there's orcas, literally orcas screwing around, playing surfing those waves right next to us.
0: That's so cool. And that
1: was like the coolest thing. Like, <laughs> I, that's, like you see one literally, you see this, this 15 foot, 18 foot whale dolphin, however you want to name it, killer whale, jump literally 50 feet, horizontally 50 feet from one wave out the face of one wave into the face of another. <laughs> and that was cool. And then I'm like, hey, shit, here comes a big one. And I'm looking and it's this monster, like 40 foot, 40 plus foot wave. And we... We hit this thing. We're going two knots ahead. So, and we hit this thing. By the time this thing passes over us, and I say over us, it's what it did. Um, we were going half a knot astern. It had taken, it had stopped a 4,500 displacement ton vessel, a huge ass boat. It stopped it and started pushing it backwards.
0: And that's, that's just, a, I'm telling you, the power of Mother Nature, like when she is a, a raging. Bitch. Excuse Bitch. my language. Yeah. She is. She is absolutely just... I'm going to
1: cuss, too. I heard you cussing. I'm going to cuss.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have no filter on these <laughs> podcasts, just so you know. And I check the explicit content when I load it, so it's good. But, okay. I mean...
1: Alright, I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep it different.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? I, I appreciate you really diving into that story and pulling us back out to know that something good came out of it. Um, it's, it's really just unfortunate that um, the crew and you especially had to go through that and see that. But... To know that you wanted to honor Obi's legacy and you were willing to put your ass in the hot—you literally put your ass in the hot seat—and you know was willing to put it all on the line just so you could help keep his legacy alive. That is the coolest shit ever, man. And I'm getting goose—you can't see it, but I'm getting goosebumps right now um, because that's what it's about. You know, that's that's that—that's the stuff that people. That aren't in the service, they don't see. You hear about it, but you don't right. hear about it mm-hmm. in this kind of explicit detail. You just hear, oh, no. my buddy got blown mm-hmm. up, or my this, or my that. And I'm just like, no, there's more to this story, and there's a reason why yeah. we're hurting, why we've got PTSD, why we've got triggers, why and and that's not just us. Like this that applies to anybody, even civilians. But you know, thank you for highlighting the ugly with hopes that, you know, somebody who's listening can know like, man, you were a part of that's coast guard history right there to, to be able to be a part of something to change, um, the way the coast guard does something that's coast guard history. And I just want right. to commend you for that. And I think that's really cool. I really do. Um, I uh, want to, sp-
1: as people say, yeah, Now go ahead. As, as when people say, thank you for your service. I was like, well, I, I don't want to say you're welcome. That sounds self-serving, but you know, at, at the same time, it's, it's my pleasure Yeah. because at the most, 90% of my career has really, my Coast Guard time, I'm, I'm not active duty anymore, I'm on service now, has, has been, I've done it for the adventure. You know, you said you did it because you you, you dove into your, 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 story, your reasons for getting all in that stuff and, and you know, damn, your story. Not just the not just the the, the S A R case, but th- everything leading up to you getting in the Coast Guard is just like that's nothing like me. Like I literally did it because the it was 2007 and the stock market and everything else was crashing. We were going into that recession stuff, mm-hmm. and my job cleaning pools and and training lifeguards wasn't going to be around. So I wanted some adventure, and that was I, I, I've been an adventure seeker. Every time I'm in the Coast Guard, And that was I just happened to be able to. Be pickheaded enough, or, or <laughs> dare I say, good enough to um have some cool stories and, and do some cool things, and, and just barrel my way into to doing some cool things. So,
0: well, but, speaking of adventure, because I've got yeah. I've got all day. I know you've got to get back to your family at some point, but I've got about maybe good fifteen more minutes or so, twenty minutes. Okay, if you have it. um I, you know, I heard about, and you guys, you guys are gonna love this one. Uh when I got stationed in Sabine Pass, I heard a story that somebody ran a boat aground in a in the marsh. I don't know if that's correct or not. And I never got not the marsh. Well, I never got the full see what I'm saying? I never got the full story. But I found okay. out you were the one behind the wheel. <laughs> oh, of course. So And everybody's favorite non rape, Holton Walker. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, big shout out to Holton. He's actually here in Texas still.
1: He Um, is, Yeah. So he
0: lives not too far from
1: actually. Actually, I had to call him up this past summer. I got recalled to active duty and had to call him up for some technical advice um, for some stuff. Mm -hmm. Um. But anyway. uh, Oh my. Maybe I was there. I was
0: BM3 I was
1: brand new. I was brand new baby coxswain. Like the ink (laughs) on my certification letter as a small boat coxswain was was not dry. And somebody it must—it might have been Whipple. It's like, hey, go put the two five eight zero six. So all of our boat, all of our boats have numbers, and the first two numbers denote the size, right? So it was a twenty-five foot uh, small boat. Go put the two five eight zero six. I remember it's the 806. eight zero six. I'll never forget it. Go put it on the trailer. <laughs> like, okay, cool. I can handle this. I'm like, cool. Walker and Pergannon, the other, the other non Like, you're my crew members. We're gonna go put this boat on the trailer. I think I had somebody else go, you know, somebody meet me at the boat ramp at the boat trailer.
0: You mean the yeah. boat ramp that wasn't terribly far away? You're right!
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, the boat ramp that was literally, what, two miles up the river? <laughs> Not even two miles up the river. Um, and it's uh, so cool go do that. Get underway could do that, do the mission. And, uh, um, and get a... It, the watchstander calls at the, uh, the comms room. Says, "Hey, um, there's a tug that just went through under the West Port Arthur Bridge in the ICW. It says they think they saw a car in the water under the bridge."
0: Oh shit! Here we like, go.
1: And we're like, "Ah, it's a tug." Like, if you remember the Port Arthur Bridge, it's not that wide. It's like, like it's like 100 150 yards wide. Like, I'm thinking, if, if he's on the bridge of his of his tugboat, he should be able to tell if it's a car or not. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no car in the water. If, if you think it's a car, it's not. It's one of those things, right?
0: <laughs> like he said, if the answer arrogant. is you don't
1: know, the answer is no. <laughs> and that was like I'm like, all right, cool, like whatever, it's the middle of the day, I got nothing better to do. Let's go waste some time. <laughs> Throw those throttles down, get it on plane, Walker's us hitting the blue lights, like like yeah like whatever, it was cool. Like let's let's see how fast they can get the boat. It's
0: like the A team responding to something.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, oh. Oh, so oh, boom,
1: go up there, come around that bin, see the bridge. Sure shit. There's a car in the
0: water.
1: Oh shit. So cool. I get up there and put the I put the, the, the keel of the boat on the hood of this trailblazer, Chevy trailblazer. Get on walker purpose? or preyan up
0: what's that? On purpose?
1: On purpose. Like we're gonna see if there's anybody in the car. Yeah. So <laughs> oh, cool. I I, I I inch in there <laughs> real good. I'm just like, oh, this is cool, this is cool. Like death sounders going off, don't worry about that thing. Trim up the motors so they don't don't hit anything. Like, it's got to be mud around here, right? Cool. Walker goes up there, takes the boat hook, knocks on the windows. It's like, nope, nobody in there. We're cool. Back out. And I blamed it on a ship passing by and sucking the water out. Because we know how those ships used to do that, right? Yeah. And putting me on a rock. (laughs) But I'm almost fairly certain it was my own little smart ass, like – getting a little turned around and I put myself on a rock. And when I say put myself on a rock is these, these these small boats have what we call performance fins on either side of them on the very leading edges of the gunnels where they meet the water. And that allows us to do these really cool like dog fighting maneuvers and turns where you're literally driving out of the sunroof because that's the only window that you can see out of
0: zero degree radius.
1: Yeah. It's pretty cool. You you turn this boat fast enough that your ass is where your nose was. Um, (laughs) And I get that performance fan stuck on a rock and I'm like, Oh shit, that's it. I'm dead. Like they're going to, I'm going to get back to the station and Mr. Ruhlman, the, the, uh, CEO, the, the commanding officer of the station is going to rip up my letter in front of me. Or he's going to, even worse, he's going to make me rip it up myself. <laughs> like I'm freaking out. And I remember them. I remember like I could put one boat, I could put one engine in forward and one engine in, and in, in stern and, back and i could pivot that boat 360 degrees
2: mm-hmm. i could
1: turn that boat 360 degrees on that rock but i could not get that fin off that rock we could rock it and just like it sounded like he was just screeching metal right
0: you didn't think about All putting anybody stuff. in the water
1: i did and i thought that was like i thought that was like wholly against the coast guard rules and stuff like uh, that right kind of is but
0: anyways yeah
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> BM-3 Kelton wouldn't have done that. BM-1 Kelton wouldn't have done that shit and said, hey, everybody erase your phones. <laughs> <laughs> okay?
0: <laughs> I'm so glad I'm <laughs> um. <laughs> oh,
1: so shit. I'm pulling my hair out now thinking about – I think it was about six feet deep, maybe five, six feet deep, all around this rock too. I found one freaking rock <laughs> that I could find. But I just remember to Stephen Stewart, BM-2, BM-1 at the time, he, he had to come up. And just laughed at me and did some other stuff with the people on shore, you know, got the car out of the water. He's just laughing the entire time. And he leaves with the other boat. just leaves me there. (laughs) Of course. And Jefferson Jefferson (laughs) County Sheriff's Department brings their boat out, laughing all the way, just pointing, laughing, taking pictures. I don't remember his name. Larry Bart, um, uh, Deputy Larry Birdsong, taking pictures and throwing a human line at me. And I'm just, and just pulls me off that
2: <laughs>
1: and I get back to the get back to the station and you know now BN3 Kelton lay to Mr. Roman's office BN3 Kelton and Mr. Rollman's office
0: you didn't even trailer this thing? yeah okay let me at, least he, at least you got a trailer there, there wasn't
1: a whole lot of damage there was this like chalk line oh, okay. on the on the actual um, hull of the boat but there wasn't like it wasn't like a, a gouge or anything Yeah, you got just,
0: lucky it
1: was just clean metal hmm I did. Like I got real lucky.
0: So they piped you to the CEO's office.
1: <laughs> CEO's office. And I get up there and I'm like, and I'm just trudging up the stair up the up the ladder well, up the stairwell. I turn the corner, knock on his I mean I squared it like like bump bump squared it. Just enter. I'm like, <laughs> do I do I say BM3 Kelton reporting his ordered? I mean, what do I what, what, what's the official language here? And I just the words out of his mouth is like what's up pivot point (laughs) (laughs) because I got in the boat stuck literally on its pivot point on the, where that boat, when you, when you're turning the boat, the the actual point in the boat where the one of them turns around the axis and the other turns, the other axis turns the other way. That's why
0: you weren't going anywhere. And that was my nickname. Yeah. And I went back
1: to the station. It was funny. I I, I went back to the station. I, I was, I was there for somebody else's wedding a year or so after I, I transferred out and I went back and I looked at the chart. And it was labeled Kelton's Rock. <laughs> Fucking bridge. And the rock under the bridge was na- labeled Kelton's rock. Kelton's
2: rock.
1: And I'm a, I'm a goddamn navigational training aid.
0: I need that chart. Give me that chart number. <laughs> Dude, do you remember when... Um, were you... I don't know if you were in our duty section, but... Okay, for my listeners, just... If you can imagine this, just close your eyes and really imagine this, right? Uh do you remember when the twenty four got capsized when a deep draft passed by? Do you remember yes. that shit? And I've
1: named it five two eight day. Every time I see it, I've I've named it happy five two eight day because that was the name of the twenty four. It's two four five two eight.
0: Five two eight? Oh my gosh. Yep. You were good at remembering this stuff. I can't even remember some of this stuff, but yeah, I remember Well it's, it's easy
1: because I you're you, you remember Chief O'Brien. Uh huh. I, I work with him right now,
0: that's right, because you're out in South carolina. carolina
1: I'm out in South carolina, so we 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 memorize all like we've had some time to, to recall some things.
0: <laughs> well, I remember I came in I wasn't on duty when it happened, but I came in uh I think we were leaving some some duty section, and all I remember was the twenty four was capsized. And I was like, what? I'm like, why is one of our boats capsized in its slip?" <laughs> It was in its slip. It wasn't even, like, it underway. That is it was in its right. slip closest to the station. Like, it wasn't even – yep. it was just the craziest shit ever.
1: The most protected slip. The
0: yeah. most protected slip, and it capsized. And the lines were still holding on, by the way. That was kind of yes. cool. Um, I think I have a picture of Riv standing on it, like, with a Captain Morgan pose somewhere. <laughs> So they end up, you know, that happens and then there's this big investigation. And I remember shortly after a few months after, uh, Dav was like the, the OD of the day. And, mm-hmm. uh, for, for those that don't know, the bean pass is really big for fishing and we would open up our station for civilians to come fish off the pier. And I mean, like we had reds. I remember on duty weekends, we would catch flounder and the guys would go duck hunting in the morning. Oh yeah.
1: It was one of the reasons I I elected to go there. It was, I was single at the time and I was like, Hey, fishing's supposedly good here. Let's go. Yeah. Sign me up.
0: Yeah. It was, it it, it was, and I would imagine still is the hot spot. but I remember I was sitting in the watch room because again, I busted my ankle, So I was always on watch and I had the, (laughs) I had the window open where I could hear the guys on the pier and i just remember i heard them screaming like yelling like what the fuck and i look and i like the windows blocking a good portion of the pier so i can't see out all of a sudden i see everybody that's fishing running towards the station on the pier and i'm like what the fuck is going on and all of a sudden this huge ass wave like comes and washes over the entire pier it was so yeah, those cargo ships
1: would go through there oh so my
0: fast. Oh gosh. It was so yeah. big that when I actually went down to the pier, the water mark had to have been like ten feet up from from the pier. Like that's it was a yeah. it was a huge S way. I you remember covering the boat. Yeah. Oh yeah, Dab it ended up jacking up uh the forty one, the antenna. One of the antennas. Oh the yeah, and that's antenna. when we had to
1: start putting them back down.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. So and that's because the overhead wasn't even that low. <laughs> like this was a big ass no. wave and I'm not over exaggerating. Uh but Dav, I remember he called the watch room, he's like, Get that motherfucker. Like he was like not happy. Oh yeah. Oh, I like,
1: remember this. God yeah.
0: God. I, oh, it was <laughs> I was like, Are this this is really happening? Holy shit. Um I don't even know what came of the, the twenty four capsizing, but I remember that. And then
1: we we eventually months later got that boat back and it was like that boat was brand new like yeah I don't even think we were done with the engine break in hours on it
0: no and I remember and, it was uh, all muddy and shit when we
1: <laughs> oh yeah
0: pulled it out <laughs> <laughs> uh were you with us when we got sucked up under the car carrier
1: no but I remember this st- re- I remember you guys talking about it in quarters oh,
0: man I thought I, I and thought that
1: that's another heroin one like that's
2: just ooh.
0: I thought I was gonna be sushi that day. Like I'm yeah. not even gonna lie, I, I, I jumped in the pilot house, put my just hands in my head, just like, oh, here we go. Uh, yeah, that was a fun one. And I, I submarineed at
1: 25.
0: How hell so, were you going another, just- another
1: cargo, another cargo ship going really fast, going up the up the the canal, and there's a big wide canal, you know, a mile wide or something. And I'm coming down full speed. I'm coming back from an escort middle of night, and for whatever reason, I didn't see this thing's wake, oh, shit. you know, and I hit that thing full speed on plane. And I didn't go over that wave. I went through it. <laughs> and I just remember like water, like looking, like looking over the steering wheel into that forward cubby, uh, that forward cab, uh, the forward walk area mm-hmm. where the bow gunner would sit. And I was just like, that thing's full of water. Like there's tuna literally swimming around up there. Like, it's just, please, like, please don't bog out the engines. Please don't bog out the engines. Just, like, and I'm, like, the radio, like,
2: there's
1: probably Brad Howe on the uh, radio. Just, he's calling the other boat, like, hey, there's a huge wake. We didn't see it. Slow down. Watch out for it. And they're, like,
2: too late. We
1: hit
0: it, Bradshaw. And
1: I just, <laughs> I look back and see this red port light just bobbing. Just.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: man. Do you, uh, yeah. the, there was that, uh, there was that like three month period too where three of us like jacked up our hands. Do you remember that one? It was I forget who it was. He You,
1: Jeremy, and somebody else.
0: Yeah, he uh Ragle. was it Regal? So mm-hmm. one of the guys, I can't remember his name, his finger got caught in between the hatch and the knife edge, and he jacked himself up that way. And then one of our engineers, he was drilling something and the drill bit broke and he drilled through his hand and then my ass I feel like that was Jesse. Uh what's his last name? Jesse Howe. Yeah. Yeah, it was Howe. I believe it yeah, was big, big baby, big Huey, big Huey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby Huey. Huey. Yeah, baby Huey. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Oh. Yeah, he drilled uh he drilled through his hand and then my finger got smashed on a jack stand. And actually Walker was oh, with yeah. me. Walker took me to the hospital cuz to get stitches. <laughs> But I remember it was just like all of us back to back to back. Yeah. It was not good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. It, it was,
1: you know, there was always, there was enough people at that station. There was always something. There was. And, uh, it, it was just, it was just ridiculous. Um, Yeah. It was always, it was, it, it was good for a good time. We had, we had a good time. I remember going to the, um, the Sick Puppies concert with you and, and Drew and uh, Greg. I remember
0: that. Oh, yeah. Yes. We got our ID signed. Oh, y'all did. I was just too busy fangirling.
1: <laughs> On oh, all <laughs> Lizzie there,
0: huh? Oh, man. Emma, Emma Anti, the bass player. Emma. Yeah. Emma. But yeah, no, I'm like in hardcore love with Lizzie Hell right now with Hailstorm. I've been for like 10 years, anyways. Um, I remember that. I remember doing. Oh, it was Emma. Okay. It was Emma. Yeah. she's. They They have a new lead singer, and I haven't really been them lately but
1: yeah i I kind of fell out of favor with them i
0: remember that concert and we'd go country dancing sometimes um
1: the only thing to do in beaumont texas in beaumont (laughs) (laughs) are are you ready for some sad news uh
0: uh, yeah the the
1: saddle rack or whatever it's called the the place we used to always go to is no no longer there (gasps) what it's closed
0: Wait 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 Yeah. What about the burger joint you guys used to go to all the time?
1: Oh, um, the only because we only went to it by boat. Um, yes. I was just thinking cow, about this. the best swamp burger in Cal Bayou. Cal Bayou. Um, Peggy's on the Bayou.
0: Peggy's. Peggy's. And not a single I'm, one of you assholes took me. <laughs> but I kept hearing about
1: oh it. Oh my god! Really? You missed it? Yeah. Oh my, I don't know how to get there by car. <laughs> I don't even know Google Maps knows how to get there. <laughs> For your listeners, this place is, when I say Bayou, when they say Cal Bayou, it is literally a backwoods bayou. (laughs) And you you, you drive up this canal on the boat, and you don't stop because if you do, you may get stuck in the mud. Um, (laughs) And then you you, you pull up to this, like, shack hanging out over the water in this this derelict 1954 um, houseboat. (laughs) The only thing holding it afloat is these... (laughs) lines that have (laughs) chafed, like they're literally about to fall apart if you breathe on them heavily and then right next to this place is is this greasy spoon called peggy's on the bayou and they had this cow bayou burger and it's like the greasiest nastiest sounding thing but it is just it's just wholesome goodness in your mouth it's it's yeah we're talking fajita onions and peppers on top of it grilled jalapenos
0: are you serious you don't want to
1: eat for a week I mean, it's indigestion in a, in in a bun. Oh my gosh! But okay, she took care of
0: us. So well, I'm glad she took care of you guys. But <laughs> um, well, I think we are ready to wrap up, Sam. But um, thank okay. you, thank you so much for being here. It's just good to reconnect with you. Um, don't hang up. Uh, we'll catch up here in a second. Uh, but I just sure. thank you again for being here. I I love following you. I love what you're doing now uh, in South Carolina, which uh, you're at the L.E., What's what's that place called again?
1: Maritime Law Enforcement Academy.
0: There you go. There you
1: go. So I I'm, I basically train the Coast Guard's new boarding officers. I train Coasties to do the law enforcement mission now. Oh shit. Which after I left Sabine Pass, I fell into that doing the pursuit mission, the, the counter drug mission,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I found out that I'm like a Labrador chasing a tennis ball. You tell me to go chase a drug runner, and I'm going to do it till I catch him or I run out of gas. <laughs> And Boy, now I want to train people, other people to do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I may talk a lot of shit, but I am actually happy that you and, and Chief are over there, you know, and um, yeah. getting our guys and gals trained up, and we know they're in good hands. So I, uh, I'm i excited to see what happens. And I'm actually excited to see what's coming up for you and your family. I know your little one's growing up, and um, she's like a spitting image of your, a brick, of your wife. Putting a
1: brick on her head. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks. Like I, I'm, I'm glad that you have found a way to to get get the stuff out and do something for us. Not only for the Coast Guard, because it's important too, but for yourself and for everybody else that's that's listening and that's been affected by, you know, some sort of tragedy or, or overcome some sort of hurdle in their life. Because you have to overcome it, and nobody, there people will help you, but until you make that decision to help yourself, make make that decision to get out and and, and Live your life, and, and it's just not going to be the same. So, mm. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to share some stories. Happy to share my story about Obi because um, I don't want people to forget him. And you know, it, transition is hard. So, keep up with it.
0: We'll do. We'll do. I appreciate that. Um, you yeah. always got a friend here too. Just know that. Always. Oh, I know.
1: <laughs> Trust me, we're coming
0: back to Dallas at some point. Hell yeah. Hey, and just on a personal note, if you know anybody else that wants to be on, I'd be more than happy to give them this platform if they want to share stories okay. or anything. I mean, that's what we're here for. And um, yeah, so just know I'm putting that invite out there. Listeners, if you guys have a story you guys want to be on, make sure to email me at 2200taps at gmail.com. I'm actually going to put my personal personal email. God help me. At gmail.com. That's 2200 T A P S at gmail. And you can find me on 2200taps.com. We are on iHeartRadio, Spotify, gonna be on Pandora pretty soon. We're on a lot of major platforms for podcasts at SoundCloud. So thanks for sticking with us, and I will talk to y'all later.